Coming up on Back of My Play, we're kicking off the summer of Xbox. That's right, we're spending the next couple weeks celebrating this incredibly influential and forward-thinking console that Microsoft put out in 2001. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to be hitting on a bunch of different subjects involving the Xbox, but we're also going to be talking about some specific games as well. And not even just like the games you think we'd go right to. Of course, we're going to probably talk about Halo. We're probably going to talk about some of those influential Sega titles that almost kind of made it the Dreamcast 2. But this week, we're going to be talking about Phantom Dust. And I got Ryan Payton and Michael Riley on the show to talk about it. And trust me, even if you're not a gigantic Phantom Dust fan, you're going to want to stick around for this episode. Some really fascinating stuff about the development of this game. And just some really cool anecdotes about Ryan covering the Xbox in Japan. Very, very cool stuff. Also, keep in mind, if you are not a Patreon supporter, the Patreon preview is ending this week. After this week, all that cool exclusive stuff the Patreons are getting is going to be just for them. So you're going to need to go to patreon.com slash play, And it takes two to three minutes to set up support the show at $5 or more per month, and you're going to get all this exclusive content. You're going to get Back in My Play Radio. You're going to get the weekend rental video series every single week and Back in My Play Live. Lots of fantastic stuff. Plus, you're going to be helping me produce more episodes of the show and reinvest into Back in My Play to make it even better going forward. So please take a moment, go to patreon.com slash play, support the show at $5 or more per month, and you'll be helping out the show. Also, we got a badass Discord channel going. Again, exclusive to Patreon. Some fantastic retro discussion. And it's just been a lot of fun hanging out with the audience in there. That's also part of the Patreon membership. So thank you so much to everyone that is supporting the show. It means a lot. And again, go to patreon.com slash play. It only takes a couple moments to set up. Again, $5 per month. It's like the price of a cup of coffee. You can support the show, its growth, and you get all that awesome exclusive content. Thank you so much. Let's get into the episode. Hello, welcome back to Back in My Play. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and this is kind of the official kickoff of the summer of Xbox. And we're talking about Phantom Dust to get it started because it was just re-released on the Xbox One and on Windows 10 to talk about Phantom Dust with me. I got two fantastic guests. First off, I got Michael Riley. And Michael, could you tell the audience a little bit about kind of your involvement with, with Phantom Dust and uh, kind of a little bit about who you are? Uh, sure. Uh, I am the, I guess you'd say the webmaster uh, and of phantomdusted.com it's a phantom dust fan site and community actually started with uh with your other guest here uh back in when the first the game first came out in 2004 no way all right and that's still uh up and running and it's still being updated and you guys are obviously very excited because now there are many easier ways to play phantom dust than pulling out your 15 pound xbox to do it these days right and having to hook up you know, excellent Kai or some tunneling <sighs> software to play to yes. play online since the original servers were shut down. So yeah, we're pretty excited. That's right. But that's still pretty cool to be able to do. And you also alluded to our other guest uh, coming back on the show. And I guess the last time 
that we talked would have been right. What did we talk? Was it Shen, Shenmue? I want to. I want to say. It, yeah, it would have been. Oh my god! It was. It was last summer during the summer, and that's probably also why Dreamcast is on my mind. The summer of Dreamcast, as we talked about, you know, not only Shenmue one and two, but also talking about what was going on with Shenmue three. But welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, man. It's been too too long. So before we go all the way back to 2004, let's start with today, because like I mentioned before, this game is now available for free on Xbox One. And if you got Windows 10, it is a universal uh, Windows platform app, so you can play them on both. And you know, again, this was really cool that this all worked out this way, that it came out this week and we just got started with the summer of Xbox. But uh, Ryan, before we get into the history of this game, can you talk a little bit about how you got involved with the Phantom Dust re-release? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a game that uh, Michael uh, and I are you know well aware that it's been just kind of dormant for a very long time. Uh, we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of the history in terms of what uh, uh, what was done to at least from the fan perspective in terms of try to get it back uh, back on track, try to get a re-release. But uh, we, there was always these rumblings and uh, about a. a and actually not a re-release, but actually a remake, mm. um, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Um, and then I had received a, a kind of a cryptic uh, email from some friends over at Microsoft, uh, you know, being based here in, in the in the Seattle Bellevue area um, and with, with Microsoft just being a few miles east. Uh, it, it was pretty easy for me to just kind of drop over there and say like, hey, guys, so I heard you have something about Phantom Dust you want to show me. <laughs> and uh, the guys put me into a, a room and uh, they loaded up. Uh, it must have been an alpha, I think, of uh, the Phantom Dust re-release. And they said, we just wanted to know what I thought about it because they knew my involvement with the game going way back when I was a, a journalist uh, based in Japan. And uh, yeah, I was just so encouraged uh, for, to, for what they showed, showed me. And, uh, and it, in, in particular, because you could tell that there was a lot of passion behind the project from, uh, from the project leads, whether it's uh, you know, Adam is Green or uh, a Torin or, or, or Ken Lobb, who was also involved in it. You can just tell these guys for so long wanted the game to come out and we're just trying every single kind of path to, to get there. And so, and now, like you, like you said, the game just came out um, a couple weeks ago. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we, we finally, and as a free to play game, which that's not how the game started way back in the day. Yeah. Well, we'll absolutely get into kind of some of the changes that were made for the, the re-release, but you know, I just I just want to point out like this is one of my favorite things about Microsoft is like you they they have been doing a lot of great things for for the Xbox One and for the the owners of the the system, and this is kind of again one of those things that it's just like they, they didn't need to do it, but they kind of you know went out of the way to to make it happen. To you know, it's not the the Phantom Dust, and you know, no offense, it's not like the most the the biggest fan base in in the world. It is not like. It's not Halo. It's not even, you know, like Crackdown. Like there's a big, you know, audience that is getting ready for, you know, new Crackdown stuff. Um, but to be able to do something like this where they're like, all right, well, let's figure out a way where we can put it out so people can find a way to not have to use, like Michael was saying, we don't have to use tunneling <laughs> software to, to like hook these things, hook up Xboxes so people can still do do multiplayer. They'll have another way to, right. to play it well, efficiently today. And that's the thing is that... Uh, you know, I, I, I'm writing an article, I'm not sure when it's going to come out, uh, about the importance of Phantom Dust and what I believe Microsoft is doing. And, and for the record, uh, I don't work at Microsoft anymore. In fact, like, you know, people who are familiar with me know that I'm, I'm a pretty open and honest person. And mm-hmm. I, uh, and I haven't, uh, and I usually don't hold back when I, when it comes to criticisms of the company. But um, in this case, I think that what they're doing is really important. And I think it, 
and I only bring it up because I think your audience, Kevin, understands this. You know, when they listen to when you bring on guys like Frank Cifaldi and talk about the history of games and mm. the importance of these memories or these importance of these products that, uh, you know, you know, on the on the on the one side, if it's a if it was a really popular game from the past, it, it makes a lot of sense for these companies to go through the effort of dusting them off. Uh, apologies for the pun. Uh, and uh, you know, re-releasing the games and trying to get a new revenue, a different or additional revenue source. But in the case of of games like Phantom Dust, this is so encouraging to me because, again, like you said, it wasn't the biggest hit way back in the day. Um, in fact, uh, we'll go into this, but Microsoft chose not even to publish it, it themselves, even though it was a first-party <laughs> title. They decided to just relegate it to Japan and eventually made a deal with Majesco, uh, God rest its soul, uh, mm-hmm. to bring the game to North America as a as like a second. Uh, publisher and but despite all those challenges the the team at microsoft knowing that maybe there is an additional revenue source down the road for a sequel um if if this this re-release proves to be successful Um, but even knowing not knowing that whether that's going to happen that they did went through this effort and i'd like to think it's because you know they they really love the game Mm. and it's because they think it's important to bring back some of the history that you know that they were involved with with this with the original xbox console and that's great because as a as a as a citizen of the of the games industry, Microsoft, I do think that these companies that own the IP or all the own these platforms do have a certain level of responsibility to bring back these old games, uh, you know, to make sure that the history is kept alive. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, maybe my my Xbox One gets gets used uh, a lot, and a lot of times it's for playing old games. Believe it or not, like again, we we've also seen it just to to hit on it briefly is like just how great of a console it is to play Xbox 360 games and Xbox 360 content, something that you know, Sony has not necessarily been able to pull off with PlayStation 3 content. So it just is, uh, for me, I'm a value person. Like I love, like, I love how that adds value to, to a device. And again, doing stuff like this adds value to not only the device, but also to the, and this is just like a side thing real quick. As I've been playing all these games on the original Xbox recently, like I, I've just begun to realize how much this brand and how much like the original Xbox and the Xbox 360 meant to me because those were like my main consoles and uh, to kind of see that oh yeah the company still is breathing life into these old franchises or is in this case like really showing lots of respect to them uh, that means a lot to me is you know maybe it's not going to drive like sales of new hardware but for me as a fan of the console a fan of the company like that means a lot to me, which is again why it's oh, so cool absolutely. that this is happening. And it doesn't always fit in with the bottom line. And again, I think it goes to like what you're saying, Kevin, about the the passion that people have. Uh, you know, I know for me, I know for Michael that the original Xbox was um, a really seminal uh, console for for, mm. for for many people and so many great games, uh, including including Phantom Dust. <laughs> I get a stack of them right next to me and three Xboxes that can back that up. So I can uh, <laughs> I can definitely uh, attest to that. I was able to track down a really good version of the Phantom Dust soundtrack, which actually has really good music. If you haven't it's haven't excellent. heard it before, it, it is top tier, uh, fantastic soundtrack. So I'm going to break right now. We're going to play some music, and then we'll be right back with the history of Phantom Dust. Stick around.
Let's talk a little bit about history, uh, specifically about the the game, because it was a rather late release. Because we got to you know put this in some sort of framework of you know the Xbox 360 was being announced in the you know, what was it? I think it was like March or April where they did that big uh, MTV event with like Elijah Wood back in 2005. Wood, yeah. And then they were going to get ready to obviously do a, a larger unveil at E3. But with the end of the Xbox, original Xbox, I should say, you know, they ended up kind of hitting stop relatively uh, quickly on the console to put those resources towards the, the 360. So we didn't get a ton of late releases specifically from, from Microsoft, but uh, Phantom Dust was one of those. And it came out in Japan, September 23rd, 2004. And like Ryan was saying, they originally were not going to bring it over to the state. So it didn't make it to North America until March 15th, 2005. Again, at this point, you're probably getting really hyped up and you are starting to save your money for a console that you don't even know what it costs just yet. But it was uh, developed by Microsoft Game Studios, like you said, uh, producer and director uh, Yukio uh, Furatsugi. Furatsugi. I I even practiced the name. Uh, Sorry, I I apologize. (laughs) Yukio Furatsugi. Ryan's a fan of the show. He knows I'm terrible at pronouncing I Japanese. I, I, was gonna, I was just going to help the, the listeners <laughs> there by just like fighting in. Now, again, like luckily, most of my business dealings in Japan uh, deal with two Kobayashi-san. So it works oh, out pretty perfect. well. Yeah, it works. That's it's super perfect. easy. Um, so when Microsoft ended up, and this is something that we're going to actually do like a separate episode on, but it's definitely going to overlap here. Uh, Microsoft was obviously trying to cater to the Japanese audience for the the Xbox. The Xbox launched in 2002 in Japan, but it was not doing super well. So it looks like this was one of the games that Microsoft was trying to develop to cater to that audience. And uh, specifically, like Ryan alluded to, the Western release was canceled by Microsoft as Life of the Xbox was coming to an end, even though the game was already translated into English during the development. But In December 2004, Majesco and Microsoft signed a deal to let Majesco publish Phantom Dust in the USA. And when it did end up coming out, it ended up getting really positive reviews. Like it is an 82 Metacritic, but there are some super positive reviews. And almost across the board, there are a lot of things that the reviewers loved about the game. But, you know, again, being a really late release for the Xbox, maybe was not able to find the audience also... Did you guys ever remember seeing a single ad for Phantom Dust? Because I didn't. I saw one, Michael, do you? one, in, one in OXM the month it came out. That was it. I remember it might have been the same ad, but I remember being really upset uh, because Majesco had done this, ad, run a, a magazine ad, and there was a, like a major misspelling in the, in, the, in, like the, <laughs> in the copy. And I'm thinking, man, this game, and Futatsuki just cannot get a break. And in a real no, quick note about Futatsuki, by the way, uh, he's, he's really well known. Uh, game director for you know working on Ring of Red, uh, and most most famously for uh, for the for Panzer Dragoon and being mm-hmm. the director of Panzer Dragoon Saga. Again, uh, you know his his career something that you know is is fascinating for maybe being somewhat one of the more cursed uh, careers you could you could argue uh, for you know Futa, uh, Phantom Dust obviously being a great game that did not sell you know uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga being another game that went on mm-hmm. a on a very limited platform at the time very late in its in its life life cycle. Uh, was saw a limited release, uh, and and then most recently that for, at least what the most most people are aware of, he did the Crimson Dragon game that launched title for Xbox One, uh, that had its own 
uh, you know, own list of problems and, right. um, and, and not limited to the fact that his E3 big debut of it uh, for Xbox One, oh, yes. the sound didn't work. Yep. Yeah, no audio. No audio. And I mean, I'm thinking, this poor guy, you know, he just, you know, anyway. But I'll let you continue, Kevin. No, but that, I mean, geez, uh, it is, it's one of the saddest things that we do not have more copies of Panzer Dragoon Saga available for folks in the States to be able to play it. So it's not like $400 on eBay today. But, I know. I know. Uh, you know, find, find a way to play it. Rent, uh, go talk to Peter Brown. He has a copy. Go take it from his desk. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, I, maybe what we'll do is, again, we'll take a, another quick break here. Then I want to go back to 2004, 2005 and talk with you guys about what it was like to, to find this game during its release and the community that was built around it. So let's take another quick break and hear some more fantastic music. Stick around. We'll be right back. So let's go back to, to 2005, and I can't believe we're getting that far into the future on this show because, again, now we're thinking 2005. That was literally 12 years ago that this game came out, which is which is insane. And, like, you know, we're getting ready for HD consoles, high-definition graphics, 720p, and awesome 1080i. But for the time being, we still got this fantastic console, the Xbox, with a, a Pentium 3 733 in it that is capable of some great things, one of them being Phantom Dust. So, Michael, I'm, I'm curious, like, how did you stumble upon Phantom Dust? Did you actually end up, like, downloading a, like, 240 by, like, 120 video of a trailer for this game before it came out? Or did you see it at a store, a magazine? How did you find out about it? I think the first time I had read anything about it was from Ryan. He was covering it for XBN uh, and... I maybe it's seen the article at one up or in the magazine, but that was the first first thing I had read about it was that it was a an action battle game, but the underlying mechanics were based on trading card games. And I was into not only Magic the Gathering online, which also had just started recently mm-hmm. at that time, but I was also playing Magic the Gathering Battlegrounds, which was a another Xbox original game. Uh, and the thought of a video game, action based video game, combined with uh, the trading card. Uh, strategy deck building aspect really appealed to me. I I gotta ask, like Ryan, are you able to find this old like was there a preview or review that you did? Is it still like available on the internet or something? Oh yeah, so I you know just in in, in preparation for the show, I went and pulled out an old hard drive that had all my articles I was writing as a freelance journalist uh, based in 
very, very rural Japan. Uh, this is my first. Uh, this is my first kind of gig in the game industry right out of college. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll tell a little bit of a backstory in terms yeah, of how I got too. into Phantom Dust. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was. Uh, I, I signed up for the Jet program, which is a. Uh, it's still going to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Japanese government-sponsored program where you can teach English in Japan and get paid. At the time, it was about thirty thirty-five thousand dollars a year, um, but they subsidize your rent, and it's a, just a kind of a, a good way to get a gig out of out of school. And having studied Japanese in, in high school and college, uh, I decided I was going to take that path. Even though I was a little bit disappointed because it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to get into the game industry. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. But mm-hmm. thought maybe you know moving to Japan at least is – I'm getting closer to the to the source of what, what my passion was. Uh, and I uh, ended up just kind of writing a, a letter in the – I put a letter in the mail to uh, X, like what Michael just mentioned, XBN. It was an Xbox Nation magazine. It's uh, published by Ziff Davis, the same guys behind uh, – um, G, uh, GMR and, uh, and Electronic Game Monthly and I did 1UP.com um, after that and uh, I sent them uh, some clippings from uh, these game reviews I was writing for my local university newspaper uh, and uh, apparently they, they thought my writing was uh, good enough to um, get the lowest most un, 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 like unappreciated job you could possibly imagine <laughs> as a freelance journalist which is covering Xbox in Japan uh, <laughs> That Did they my, actually have a role for that? Was there like, you know, Xbox coverage in Japan or were you just like a general, you know, uh, correspondent for, for the J- like Japan area? If, I, if, if, if memory serves, there was a column that I think, well, maybe it was where Michael saw Phantom Dust originally. There was a monthly or bi-monthly column uh, called uh, Tokyo Tribe. Um, and it was about a you know, 200 word section in the magazine. That kind of just talked about the weird and crazy things that was happening about Xbox, you know, related to Xbox in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so I was the—I uh, ended up kind of taking on that 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 column after uh, friend Jake Casdall, who was used no to rewriting that column. Wow. Uh, who then I, I believe he moved back from—he left Sega, he moved back to America uh, to work at EA, and now obviously runs Seventeen Bit, does Skulls of the Shogun and, mm-hmm. and Galaxy and all those great games. Uh, and so I remember taking on that beat for him, and uh, and yeah, and so. You know me, and I, I can go into the, uh, a longer, longer version of the story some other time. But it, I, I remember tr- really trying to impress my editors back in San Francisco at XBN, and it was one of the rare instances where they reached out to me and said, "Hey, all these games that you're covering and looking at, there's actually one that we're really interested in, and this is like this Phantom Dust game that was just announced. Um, would you mind kind of digging a little bit deeper into it?" And that was all I needed. I just needed that kind of like you know thumbs up, just because it, it's obviously going to lead beyond my. My to my my monthly column. Mm. It sounded they wanted like a preview or maybe a review or an interview with the creator, and that's what kind of set it all off. And I, I mean, I, I, I paid my my rent for for many many months writing every any kind of article you can imagine about Phantom Dust. I'm so glad it got to people like like Michael, and that led to him and I becoming lifelong friends. So when uh, obviously the the game ended up coming out in uh, the United States, but do you remember if there was like a big like a big announcement when it was finally, you know, set in stone that Majesco was going to end up bringing this over. Was it like kind of a huge sigh of relief, Michael, or did you, or was this kind of like, did you even know this was going on where Microsoft might have not brought it to the West uh, if it weren't for Majesco? Well, at that time, uh, I had imported the Asian version and an Asian Xbox just because I was oh, so wow. interested in the game <laughs> from Ryan's coverage. So little did I know that he was, you know, I contacted him. I think I emailed him. Uh, his email address was uh, in the article, and he responded. And um, I had actually had a private 
message board for Xbox Live friends and then decided to open it up to other people that had imported the game. As we had nobody to talk to about it, didn't completely understand the game and wanted to talk to, you know amongst ourselves about it. And then I think, Ryan, if I'm not mistaken, that was part of the reason Majesco was was interested in publishing it here was it was also there was a community of people that had already imported it and were already playing it uh, and discussing it on the internet. Yeah, no, there was yeah. definitely an, an outrage uh, from a small group of folks, but you know, there's a, there a passionate Xbox community that heard about the game. Not as many, uh, you know, a very few people actually went to the, through the trouble of what Michael and a bunch of other guys did with by importing the game and also importing Asian Xboxes so they can play the game, which is amazing to me. Um, but they're playing the game in English because if, if memory serves right, Michael, that the Asian version had both Japanese and English, but it was region locked, which prevented folks from just, just importing the, the copy and playing on their uh, North American Xbox, correct? Exactly. It, the manual was in English. The game was in English when you booted it up. I, it should have been region-free so that people could have just imported it, played it on yeah. the American Xbox, but you had to import an Xbox in order to be able to play it. Um, so there was... There was a sigh of relief from the community, at least those of us that were already playing the Asian version, that it was going to be released by Majesco. Uh, and then that is when Ryan said, hey, why don't we turn this forum into a fan site and start getting information out there for people about this game that's going to come out that n- nobody has heard of. Uh, but there was no big announcement from Microsoft or Majesco that they were publishing the game. So again, it was uh, it, just the typical stuff that this game has gone through, right? I mean, it's finally going to get released here and there's one <laughs> one ad in OXM and it has a typo in it. You know, it's... Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least they even threw the only on Xbox stamp on the front, and I would have figured they would have at least tried to push it a little bit because it's another game that they were going to have on the Xbox Live portfolio. Like, that's another reason to get 50 bucks a year out of people is, you know, I'm sure for a hardcore community like that, there were some people that weren't necessarily getting Xbox Live to play Halo 2, but they were paying the 50 bucks just to play Phantom Dust online. Right. I would love to dig into now that time has passed. Uh, that figure out who within Redmond was really against the idea of bringing Phantom Dust to to North America and Europe. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm assuming that now people would be willing to talk about it a little more, uh, maybe not publicly, but I'm just very curious because um, you know again going back to poor Futatsugi, uh, just just three months before the game was going to be released um, in Japan, uh, he had heard he got word from from the headquarters that the game was not going to be released outside of Japan by Microsoft, and he in a, in a, one of the interviews I had with him. He uh, he mentioned that they were at E3. Him and his team they were showing the game off to uh, to to press, or they were supposed to show it off to press. But they found out then, or he found out then from headquarters, the game was not going to be released in North America, and they had canceled all of their press interviews and oh, showing man. the game off behind closed doors. And he didn't have the heart to tell his team that because he didn't. You know, they're on they're in America. They're on yeah. a big business trip. He didn't want to press them, and he also they also had to go back to Japan to finish the game. Um, but and I in another kind of backstory I want to learn more about now that that time has passed is that he, I think he did, I think Futatsugi leaked or like like behind behind the backs of other Microsoft folks showed the game to somebody in the press I'm not sure who it was to try to get some sort of um, grassroots uh, mm. excitement behind the game um, and that's obviously what he was doing with me back in Japan uh, he would call me up he would give me access to the builds. He would give me any information possible that I was looking for to feed my articles and help, you know, feed the the the, the, the game community. 
And so, yeah, he, he was doing everything possible to try to, to try to get that groundswell of, of excitement. And eventually it led, like Michael said, to Jesco publishing the game at a discount price of 1999. You know what? Wow. One thing we didn't even touch on Ryan was that the, uh, they released the demo as a hidden Easter egg on an OXN demo disc, <laughs> but, but the demo that they released was also completely in Japanese, even though they had already had an English one that they could have released and it didn't have to be hidden on the demo disc. You had to push, you know, 14 buttons to mm-hmm. <laughs> OXM demo disc 40 to, to get, to play a Japanese localized version of demo of phantom dust and oh and in, they didn't even know it was getting released uh, on the, and, and, demo. And, and the team didn't know that that was happening uh and the team also doesn't didn't know that i was buying famitsu xbox magazines uh the, the october 2004 edition um i was buying them in bulk wherever i could find them around rural japan which by the way was not easy which <laughs> it also included a japanese demo disc um that people wanted and I remember sending one to Michael. I remember sending them to all sorts of people. Mm. And, you know, it was only like maybe between 5 to $10 uh, you know, a, a pop. So I didn't really mind. And I just wanted to get, you know, I just wanted more people to play the game. Uh, and, and, yeah, so you could tell, uh, Kevin, it was obviously a very passionate group of folks that um, are very excited the game is finally coming went back. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, just going back to this this idea that, and it's just it's kind of surreal if you if you own the game in the U.S. and you look at the box, like it is, it's Microsoft Game Studios on it, and then there's the Majesco <laughs> the Majesco logo. logo right next to it. It's just it seems insane. But like again, like the only rationale I could probably think of is that Microsoft's like, no, we're not putting, we're taking all of our resources. We got the ball rolling with Xbox, but if we're gonna actually make this thing work we need to put all of our eggs into that xbox 360 basket and get elijah wood up on stage and show perfect dark zero and that's what they did yeah it makes it makes sense and it wasn't the only title uh and i know that maybe in another show kevin and i you (laughs) you and i will talk about other titles that didn't make its way um out of japan um officially uh and so yeah phantom dust unfortunately was was one of those so at least the beginning and then majestic came in and actually gave it a release so like running this this fan site um like Michael, if you could if you get hit on this, like when the game ended up coming out, and again, like with that twenty dollar price point, like the barrier to entry was really not super high. So, um, like, what was the reaction to the the audience and like the traffic once this game was was finally out? Did the the fandom of the game just explode? It it, it did. Uh, there was a lot of at least those people that knew of the game or found the game were super interested in it. Uh, so there was a lot of traffic on the site, and the game is. A lot more complicated than you know most traditional uh, video games are. So there was a lot to learn. There's a lot of skills. People wanted to know uh, different arsenal build ideas and discussions like that. So for for years there was people that were playing it. Um, you know until Xbox Live servers were the original servers were shut down, but people were playing it online that whole time, still discussing it. There's a thread for every single skill in the game. They would discuss. <laughs> minute details like can you can this one be fired from the air and how long you know how easily is this one to dodge if you're doing a cartwheel and i mean all kinds of crazy details so like at at the peak uh like how many people do you think did you have on on that site discussing and talking about this game and like setting up times to jump on xbox live to you know go up against each other uh the counter on there says the I think the most number of people on the forum at the same time was like 280 people mm-hmm. discussing mm-hmm. Uh, the thing live, and this is back in you know 2005. So yeah. that 
that wasn't real prevalent. There was no social media. There was, you know, there wasn't even any YouTube. None of that stuff. So uh, there was hundreds of people on the forum at the same time discussing uh, stuff when the game first came out. So would you say like uh, this is is this like your game? Is this your favorite game of all time, Michael? Definitely one of them. Probably my most favorite uh, com- competitive multiplayer game just because of the, the action fighting mechanic aspect to it, along with uh, the strategy of, of building decks and playing your deck as it comes up, uh, you know, in a random order against an opponent doing the same thing. Right. In, a, in an age of, of like Hearthstone, sorry, Kevin, in no, an no, age please. of like Hearthstone and, uh, and, you know, we're collectible card games, uh, Gwent and, and, and these, this, this new revival of them, like a digital version of, of, of these, um, which really lends itself well to free to play and, and all of that. Uh, it, it was really a game ahead of its time. And in fact, uh, on the eve of the release of the, of the re-release of Phantom Dust, I had a chance to talk to Futatsuki san on the phone. And uh, that was one of the things that he kind of lamented um, was that maybe the game was a little bit too, you know, too ahead of its time. Um, because what, what, what Michael's talking about is absolutely true is that the game was so, so complex, right? But also, you know, in, in a very, in very deep, and so much, so many avenues you can take as a, as a player that was just really way beyond like your normal competitive uh, multiplayer game on Xbox Live, like like a Mech Assault, for example. Um, is that there are so there? There's over 300 skills, each one of them with unique attributes that you know you would have to think about and figure out the balance of it as you're building your deck. That was called an arsenal in the game, and it just led itself to so much community discussion. Um, and what, what Fudosugi and the team were, were doing in the early days of the game's release in Japan, at least, was, you know, doing what Blizzard does with Hearthstone is like constantly updating the meta to keep it fresh, you know, solving balance issues, but also introducing new, interesting ways of playing the game. And so, again, these are ideas where you have like, you know, a, a meta that constantly changes through updates. The game was very, very forward thinking. And it didn't surprise me that despite a very like a extreme lack of marketing or push behind from, from the Microsoft side, um, the game still was able to find an audience because it was so different and new, new and unique. And again, why I think it's so uh, so great that the game has finally seen a re-release because it, it, it's it's a very important game. I think in this, in this kind of time time capsule of original Xbox. I wonder how much larger the audience would have been if the online infrastructure was was mature enough to offer you know demos through Xbox Live at the time because I picked up this game a couple years after its launch because just a friend told me about it. Just like a friend who was like, oddly enough, like found me through my fitness podcast, like an 08 <laughs> who happened to nice. work at Bungie. Uh, and that was who because also of, I happened to work with at Microsoft, which oh, is funny. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Basically like, I must have said like on one of my my like fitcast episodes like oh yeah like I can't wait like ODST is coming out in two weeks and I'm like setting aside all this time so I'm just like we're talking I don't know what it was but it's like oh by the way you have a listener from Bungie I'm like all right well that's the coolest thing that's happened in my life so uh, <laughs> anyways uh, we we ended up doing this uh, this video game podcast while I was interning at Game Trailers as I was just like trying to hone my skills and, and talk about this stuff. And he's like, oh, you know, a game that you really need to try if you're, like, collecting, like, old Xbox stuff. Because at that time, like, GameStop was getting rid of all their Xbox stuff. So all their stuff was, like, buy to get too free. Like, they were really getting mm-hmm. rid of it. It's like, one of the games that you need to pick up is Phantom Dust while, while you're doing that. I'm like, all right, well, I'll go check it out. And it's, like, for $4. And for someone that is not, like, I'm not a card game person. Like, I've never played 
Magic. I've never played any card games in the past. I picked it up and really, I love, well, maybe it's just because of my love of Japanese games and stuff, but I, I love the look of it. I loved the the battle system and like it was still somewhat novel because I wasn't playing a lot of, like, I don't want to compare it to Earth Defense Force, but like just the destructible environments are like how crazy it would be if someone like, you know, did some magic attack on you and then you ended up falling through the floor. Like, I mean, outside of like dead or alive and stuff like that, like you didn't get a, a lot of that in game oh, yeah. still. So like even for, for someone like me, not a big uh, collectible card player, I still found the game super enjoyable and I still put like probably, you know, 10 hours, a dozen hours into it in like 2008 or 2009. Like I just, you know, again, wish more people got to play it, but I guess they can today. I, I'm so glad you brought up the, the graphical fidelity of the game. Um, to this day, I still think it's a, it's a, it's a really great looking game. The assets were obviously really, really high quality that they put into the game. Uh, and in the destructible environments, still something that even in 2017, you know, 20, 12, 13 years later, after the fact, many games cannot handle um, yeah. the technical uh, you know, tr- uh, challenges that are associated with, with, with destructible environments. It's just like, it's so satisfying to the senses when you're, when you're playing that game. And that's something that I can't really do a really good job of uh, talking about on a, on a podcast and stuff like that. But now again, this is the benefit of if you have an Xbox or if you have, you know, Windows 10, you can download the game and you can try it out and experience it for yourself. Um, I also did want to mention that there was a physical release for the Phantom Dust soundtrack that you, if you can find it, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But there's like, I think there's like 200 copies of it in the world because I was not able to like even find a price of what that would cost today. Um, but if you're walking around in Japan and you stumble into like a book off and you see the Phantom Dust soundtrack, pick it up because oh, you'll probably yeah. never see it again. Absolutely. It's excellent. Um, and Michael, do you have the physical version of that? I do, along with a couple of trading cards that it came with. No way. I do, I do, I do too. So I think we're, Michael and I are the <laughs> one of the 200 people in the world that has the physical you know, CD so soundtrack of the game. There's 198 left. <sighs> yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get Nicolas Cage on the, uh, on the case, and we'll see if we can track down the rest of those, those copies. Um, but for, for you guys, before we kind of wrap up this section, um, I'm, I am curious um, – you know, back then we're talking 2005. We're talking about right before the release of the Xbox 360. Um, you guys might have been special cases, but uh, for how long were you playing this game regularly on your your original Xbox before, like you know, succumbing to the hype machine of HD graphics and, and Gears of War and all this stuff, and, and moving on to the next generation? Or did it always have a spot underneath your your TV, Ryan? Oh uh, well, for me, I really. Uh... I really, and, and Michael knows this too. I, I kind of stepped away from the game um, around the time of the North American release. Um, one is because I was my career was finally kind of taking off, um, and uh, I had moved to Osaka, and I was actually just getting ready to interview at both Microsoft and at Konami um, for, um, for 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 a position. So uh, I ended up getting kind of busy and not not following it, but also because uh, I became a little bit discouraged with the game because of lack of updates. Um, you know, the meta with the meta not changing. Um, I noticed that there was a lot of the same kind of battles taking uh, um, taking place every single match, and it was mm. starting to frustrate me. Uh, and so that was another kind of. And then there's this whole controversy, which we're going to spare you, Kevin, <laughs> um, about um, how some of these skills are used in battle, um, whether or not that's an intentional um, glitch that the team is aware of, or they wanted that as part of the design, or if it's actually a bug that does need to be fixed. And that debate actually continues to this day. But to did, this did, day. did they ever get to? 
uh, or like, did the community ever get to creating like patches that you would need a modified Xbox to get these patches up and running to continue? Like, did the community take over the responsibility to update and balance the game after the developers kind of moved on? Uh, not, not that I saw the biggest thing I saw was, uh, you know, eventually people figured out how to get game saves with all the skills. Uh, cause it was really hard to get the rare skills. You had to win 30 matches online. So people figured out how to, uh, how to hack the game save, uh, get all of the skills. Um, people also found, you know, lots of debug menus and things like that. There's other, uh, developer arsenals and stuff tucked away. So there was lots of that stuff found, but nobody, I don't think was able to go out and rebalance. We actually had issues where, People weren't able to get the skill updates uh, after the mm. servers went down. And then if you were playing with an old update with somebody that had the new update, the skills would do odd things when you hit the other person. Sometimes it would lock up their Xbox, uh, do crazy things like that. Madden football is a fantastic game. But up until I think it was like 2011, I had an original Xbox that every year I would update because the community took over the job of updating the mm-hmm. NFL 2K5 soundtrack uh, rosters every single year. And like there was like a perfect website for it and you could just download the rosters so you could still play NFL 2K5 on an original Xbox. And it was it was great. Sorry, I just want to say that real that's quick. A, that's, no, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like that if, if Futatsugi was still at Microsoft or something, he might have found a way to help the community out in some, some, some capacity with that. Uh, but the game really did kind of fall dormant. And maybe this can kind of can kind of lead up into the re-release. Yeah, let's take a break while you jump on uh, eBay and look at a six hundred dollar copy of the Phantom Dust soundtrack oh, that's nice. in good condition. <laughs> so, um, oh, yes. there, I guess you could get. Oh no, there's one for two hundred four or best offer. So maybe you could get a little bit less than two hundred four bucks for the soundtrack, uh, or just type it into Google. I'm sure you could find it there too. But uh, let's take a break. Here's some more music from Phantom Dust. Let's go all the way back to uh, the present 2017. And uh, as we mentioned a couple times, this game is now available. If you own an Xbox One console, which like they're 200 bucks now, you can just literally walk into your store, drop 200 bucks and, and pick one up. You should do it because there's lots of great things to play in it. But one of those things is free. It's Phantom Dust. It's been re-released. And, um, you know, again, I would love to talk with you guys about kind of the genesis of, of how this all came about and kind of like what the roller coaster ride was, especially like Michael, like we got this announcement, this, this trailer at E3 a couple of years ago, like, Oh my God, like Phantom Dust has come, came out of nowhere. Everyone freaked out. <laughs> um, but you know, then there ended up being like a cancellation, but out of that, we also got this re-release 
as well. So I don't know if you could talk a little bit about, or both of you guys could talk a little bit about kind of the roller coaster ride that Phantom Dust has has taken over the years. Well, uh, I guess I'll start off by saying that yeah, the there was a very dark, there was a long period of darkness when it came to Phantom Dust. Uh, the I think after a time when you know just by just using tunneling software, uh, Michael and the and the other like really hardcore community members, you know, they, it sounds like a lot of them just kind of stepped away from the game for for a long time. This is around the time that I would actually join Microsoft. Um, and one of my, I think it might've even been in my interview, my job interview with Ken Lobb. I remember talking about Phantom Dust and also once I had joined the company, trying to convince him, which didn't take much convincing by the way, because he was also a fan of the game about re-releasing the game on 360 as a free to play, um, you know, card collectible card based game that, but on, at the, fortunately at the time, the way that Xbox 360 worked and Xbox live worked was that there was no free to play, um, API or backend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really prevented this from happening. But I know those obviously was an idea that was stuck in his his mind for a long time. So after long after I had left Microsoft, uh, clearly this was still an idea that was kind of percolating uh, across the the company um, that would eventually lead to this rumored remake of the game um, that was being developed in uh, in Florida by a company called Darkside. And there's a whole article about it. Um, um, I think it was a Kotaku story that had this big leak from um, some of the folks uh, at Darkside, which is now shuttered by the way, that was working on this remake. Um, but this is right around the time that uh, the Phantom Dusted site that Michael was running um, kind of sprung back to life. And I'll let Michael kind of talk about, you know, the weird, the weird IP, IP finding that he saw on the site and all this weird attention from the game coming out of Florida, right? Uh, yeah, so there was a, uh, so this is back, the, the site was down uh, and a couple of hardcore Phantom Dust fans had seen some of the articles that were published about Microsoft possibly looking to do something with the IP and said, we need to, we need to show Microsoft there's some support out there for this and that there was for that game. And so I didn't know what else I could do other than bring the site and form back up. So I did that. Nick Robinson, who actually is a journalist who works at Polygon, saw that the site was back up because he used to be a forum member mm-hmm. and then tweeted it. <laughs> Phil Spencer saw it, retweeted it. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty crazy a series of events. And then it was only a couple months later that they were showing the uh, the trailer for the for the remaster or the reboot um and at, at that time uh there was a lot of traffic on the site and there's not a lot of people that know about phantom dust so i was curious where it was all coming from and i noticed it was from dark side game studios they were looking at all the all the old threads all the arsenals that people built all the skill that details that people awesome. had provided yeah <laughs> it was amazing that is some like that's some like detective work, man. To like see, oh, we're, we're, we're looking like IP addresses and stuff. Yeah, well, you, know, you can Google Analytics. You just click on the thing. You can see where all the you know where this, all the traffic's coming from. And so, yeah, you just look up the IP address, and that's who it was registered to. Of course, I didn't say anything, but I, I was I thought maybe they were just helping with the game because they had assisted with uh, Sunset Overdrive. So I wasn't sure they were the sole developer. I thought maybe they they were just assisting until, of course, until the the reboot uh, was canceled. Um, you know, that it was it was obvious that uh, that that wasn't the case. Well, at at the time, like when the reboot was canceled, there wasn't an announcement of the re-release just yet. That came a little bit while, like a little bit of ways afterwards, right? You're exactly yeah. You you got it correct. Right? So what so happened there was on the big... site when that happened? Did everyone was like, oh man, like we got all <laughs> excited, like all this like energy was put into this. We're ready for 
this re-release and now it's they're they're used to it they're used to it they're used to <laughs> yeah, pain brazilian bunch we're used yep. to disappointment yeah so <laughs> and what actually happened is funny is the community said they had all seen the leaked video and i had found some screenshots of mm-hmm. uh the palace level that they had done and people some people already said oh that doesn't look or feel like phantom dust the the sort of the vertical slice video that kotaku had leaked and they, some people had said, why don't they just give us the original? Like, if we could just play the original mm. one back on Xbox Live, like, we would be happy with that. Uh, if we can get nothing else, like, could you just give us that? And then, lo and behold, that's what we got. But, you know, completely uh, running a native resolution in 16 by 9 and the original uncompressed assets and, and everything that they've been able to do to, to the re-release. Well, and, and in classic Phantom Dust fashion, it was not a smooth path to release, even for this reissue. Uh, and, right, and even the, for the free of, game, they couldn't get it online to so that people could actually get it for a couple of hours. Was having problems. well, that well, not only at the release they had issues on the on release day, but just leading up to it because there was no access to the final source code for the game. And Adam and the team they worked really hard. They worked with this, this group out of Vancouver called Code Mystics, um, which is a group of, of of programmers that were able to basically kind of which you know a lot of uh, guests on your show Kevin talk about like the the crazy things that have to go that they go into bringing back some of these older games where you yeah. don't have access to this access to the source and they had to do some really amazing things to kind of hack the game to make it so the up the skills could be updated that the game could work on um, you know on on UWP on Xbox and, and Windows uh, to make all these different kind of yeah, balance tweaks and, and 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 also do the resolution changes and they had no idea what they were going to be able to do even up until the you know weeks before release and so a lot of love and passion went into this which I know that the fan base uh, really appreciates. Yeah, so that's that's sadly uh, a too common occurrence. Like where you guys when you were putting this re-release together, you didn't have necessarily the the source code. So did you put together like some sort of container for the the game itself? So you could do all this awesome, like upscaling and go 16 by nine and all that. Yeah. Mike, I don't think the community was able to do any of that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, that, yeah. that would require tons of, I think the, the code mystics team that worked on this reissue, I think they had access to an older version of the source. That was not the final version hmm. that allowed them to, um, but I'm not, I'm not completely familiar with the, with the details of that, but um, but yeah, I think that the team or the, the the community was just kind of stuck with like the the old original Xbox game, and then finally they have something that uh, I think everybody's really really happy with. So, Michael, did you get did like Microsoft reach out to to you and the the community to say like, hey, like this is something that we're we're working on. We want to make sure we we do it right. Can you help us out? Was it something like that? Sure they they were on the site from the original from from. 2014 when they they announced the the remaster or the reboot the, the new version or the new vision of what phantom dust would be um yeah they were on the forums back then so they've been nothing but supportive and, and kept saying telling us not to worry you know that it wasn't canceled that the phantom dust ip was not dead even though um the you know the version that dark side game studios was working on was being uh not being worked on any longer but not to worry that they were still going to do something with the ip uh and, and, you know, and then they worked with us um, to gather beta testers um, for the for this re-release. So we there was a lot of community involvement, uh, a lot of hardcore players that had been playing it for a decade, um, testing it and giving feedback. So, so did you like say, like, here are the things that we would kind of like to, <laughs> to see in the game or did even that discussion of, uh, you know, that thing that might have been a glitch or it might have been intentional, like maybe we should keep this in or... 
maybe we should take it out where were any of those suggestions made? Were they able to make any changes to kind of balance the game for the re-release? These are hardcore players. They discussed every detail of just about <laughs> everything in the game, anything that they didn't like, anything that they thought should be changed. All of it was uh, Microsoft was super encouraging to just give give us all of your feedback. So That's super they listened cool. to all of it. They were very clear that, that while there were things that they would like to and they agreed with the community should be changed was just not possible with the, the state of things uh, as they were, you know, without the original source code and having to sort of back or uh, hack things into the game um so they, they did what they could there's still some things out there that they're looking at to see if they can do um but yeah they've got they got all the feedback you know yeah like that's something that you know might might seem like a, a small thing but it wins a, a ton of points in my my gamer's heart when when you know companies do reach out to the community like that and uh there is that sort of connection and in that bond, especially when there's there's projects like this that are are put together. So, guys, like fill me in, and I also think we should talk a little bit, uh, you know, because there could be some people in the audience that did not pick up the game back in the day. Maybe they saw it pop up on Xbox Live, but they're like, "Oh, well, I've I've no idea. I've heard so many people talk about this game and this this franchise, but I have no idea where to to start." Uh, what advice would you give them to get their mind right before booting the game up for for the first time? Michael, what do you think? Uh, yeah, let's let's see, Michael. I, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it, it, if you feel a bit overwhelmed by the game at, at, at first, don't be discouraged. There's a there's a lot to learn, and they they, they I would really me- recommend playing through the single player, even though the the first couple of chapters, first couple hours of the game are tutorial heavy. Uh, but there's I appreciated no other... that. I, I played a bunch last night, and for someone yeah. that completely like forgot the game, but like I totally recognize like all the areas and stuff, and like the bar and all that. But like I totally appreciated. Like, all right, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna treat you like you've never played a game like this before, and we're gonna walk you through this stuff. And it's like the missions are like ninety seconds long; they're like two minutes long. It's not like it's not that bad. And again, there's just lots of cool stuff happening while you're playing it, so it's 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 still right. fun. You're- Right, you're learning new skills, new mechanics, finding out what is actually available, and there are some crazy skills in the game where you, you know, scramble your opponent's buttons or make it so they can't move, or um, it's just insane. So, you, as you're playing through that single player, you start to realize, wow, there is, it, it, it almost seems unlimited the number of different arsenals you can create when you've got 300 crazy skills and you only are going to use about 15 or so in your arsenal. So there's there's just a lot of variety and. Uh, but yeah, I would recommend they play through single player. Certainly, I would check out the fan site. There's a guides page there with about 20 guides and how many <laughs> games need 20 different guides to explain all of the different modes, all of the skills, all of the different skill types, subtypes, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, and there's also I, I put up a bunch of scans from the user's guide because of course there's no physical manual uh, for this digital distribution and. Uh, some of that stuff can be a little bit confusing. So there's a user guide scans up there too. Uh, if they need to see, you know, how the game controls and uh, how to play it. So don't boot it up and go right to the, the online, because that's probably where the, that hardcore dedicated and, uh, you know, very <laughs> strong audience is going to be ready to maybe mop up. Yeah, there is a, there is a mode. If they do want to hop into multiplayer right away, just to get a taste of it, to see if, see what's going on. There's a mode called quick, 
quick mode or quick battle, and they it, it will give you a random pre-constructed arsenal. So at least the people that you're fighting against are also limited by those pre-constructed arsenals. So if you want to just get a taste of it, uh, you can check that out. And that mode is for people that are veterans of the game and have been playing with the same quick battle arsenals for a decade. Uh, those are all new redone arsenals from from the community. And I think like the audience, you know, it, it would be, again, if you haven't played this game before, if you don't know about Phantom Dust, to, to go into the campaign, because I think one of the things that stood out yeah. for a lot of people when they saw that trailer, even if they weren't familiar with Phantom Dust, like the world of Phantom Dust is super fascinating. And even again, like not really having a, a lot of memory of the, the campaign from, you know, 10 years ago or so. I was still like, oh, actually, this is like kind of cool. I want to know what's going on. Then when you kind of have your first like, I guess, boss battle or whatever, that first encounter with a major character, like, all right, there's some cool mystery here. I want to understand like what happened to this this world and what's going on here. And the characters that live within it are quite unique. And it is something that is, uh, it, it does stand out from, from other games of the time and even today. And again, if you like Japanese games, like this is a Japanese game. Like <laughs> to its roots, yeah, it's yeah, really straight cool. Up. Yeah, it's a Japanese take on uh, post-apocalyptic kind of right. cyberpunk, very Blade Runner uh, influence. Exactly. Um, yeah, so lots of really, really cool. Um, uh, yeah, Japanese take on those kinds of genres, and it's it's a, it's the the story itself. I think is is still kind of uh, holds up today. So, what, what do you guys think? Anything else that you wanted to hit on in terms of you know again the 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 uh, re-release or you know just what newcomers should should consider or just you know thoughts on how this game holds up you know so many years later again in in twenty seventeen? Yeah, for for me at least, uh, you know, the game really set off my career. I think as uh, as a as a game developer, as like it was the game that I needed as a as a journalist in rural Japan for have to be able to write about articles that people actually cared about. And uh, it was something that I became really invested in, you know, working with Michael on the fan site, like translating all the new skills that are coming on as DLC and that improving my Japanese. Um, in a lot of ways, the game, um, you know, really, really changed my life. And, uh, and I'm forever grateful for that. Um, I'm really grateful to Tatsugi-san and, and his passion for the title. And I'm just so encouraged. And uh, I just really hope that the, that the game leads to uh, a future, future iterations of Phantom Dust that hopefully he can be involved with. Um, and even on, on my part, you know, that, you know, some people know that I now run a game studio here in, in the Seattle area. And uh, for over two years, we worked on a multiplayer prototype that was very ins- had some elements that are inspired by Phantom Dust, primarily the kind of deck building aspect of that in an action multiplayer action game. And so that, that the legacy of the game like still really holds uh, true in my heart for now 12, 13 years after its original release. And so, um, you know, Kevin, I know that, uh, you know, Michael and I, we really appreciate uh, you know, you, you put in a spotlight on this game because you can tell it means a lot to us and it means a lot to the community. And I think that's one of the amazing things about your show and this whole community around older video games is that it's not just about the new releases. It's about, it's as a fan of video games and as, as everybody who listens to the show obviously believes that games are important, is that it's not always just about the new releases. Those are important, but that looking back and looking mm-hmm. back and not only the big smash su- hit successes from the past, but even the ones that didn't have the commercial success, but still have important things to say, but those also deserve to be talked about and be, and to be learned from. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, I think, uh, I think at this point, you know, the audience can do their due diligence. And again, like, you know, there's two ways to play this. And, uh, you know, I've been seeing some people talk about it online. Like it is really cool that, uh, it is a universal windows platform application. So, 
it is one of those things that you can have on your Xbox One and like jump between two things at once, have it open and have a game open at the <laughs> same time. So if you're, I know what are the kids like playing Overwatch? If you want to take a break from Overwatch for a little bit, you can also uh, play a little bit of Phantom Dust too, and and you know relive some of the some of the awesome awesome games of of the past. But I want to thank both of you so so much for for coming back on and and talking about this game because, like Ryan said, I think you know if if we can go back and and really appreciate these games, it's always awesome. But also to expose people to games that they may have not heard of or they may have not given a chance back then to now give it, uh, give them a chance today. I think that's great. And uh, I want to thank you both for, for coming on. Uh, Michael, if again, if you could talk a little bit about you know, where people can find you on the internet and, and more information about Phantom Dust. Uh, sure. You can find me. I'm at Phantom Dusted uh, on Twitter, or you can go to phantomdusted.com. And uh, the whole site there uh, is, is community-based. Most of the guides, the artwork, uh, the arsenal builder, if you're into um, uh, theory crafting arsenals and stuff, there's an online arsenal builder and stuff that was also created by a Phantom Dust. And so uh, it's a hardcore uh, group of people that love this game that uh, want to see it do well. So check out the site. Awesome. Thank you so much again for, for coming on, Michael. And uh, Ryan, where can people find you on the internet? Anything coming up that people should keep an eye out for? Well, yeah, we've got a lot of great things going on at Camouflage. You know, we just we finally finished Republic. It was our five-episode uh, you know, original first first game out of the studio, and now we're working on a number of different VR projects at the moment. And now that's going great. So you can find me on Twitter. I'm just at Ryan Payton. Um, and then the website for the company is Camouflage. It's just www.camouflage, camouflage spelled with a J. And, uh, and yeah, we got a lot of great, 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 great things going and coming down the pipe. So, um, but in the meantime, um, you know, I just kind of poke my head out every once in a while to participate <laughs> in, in shows like yours, yours, Kevin, which I really, really enjoy. No, I appreciate, uh, again, both of you guys taking time, especially on a, a Sunday to come and hang out, kick off the summer of Xbox where there is so much more. You would have never thought I could make outlines for seven different episodes on the on the <laughs> xbox but guess what it's it's totally possible and i know you guys are gonna all love spending your time outside listening to this podcast while doing cool things in the good weather and then coming back in when it gets a little bit too hot or when it's raining to uh hear that little green blob glow and then just you know morph into that xbox logo and hey just make sure that you replace the time capacitor on there so your motherboard doesn't die. That's all I ask. Do that before the summer of Xbox starts. Do that project first. Use YouTube to, to find out. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Back of My Play. Again, the game is available now. Go pick it up. Download it. And uh, again, thank you to everyone for tuning in this week. We will see you next time with more fantastic Back of My Play. Take care.